Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. from everywhere USA. It's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is. Here we go. Here we go. Coming to you live from the greatest country in the world. Broadcasting from the tippy top of the world famous Fox News headquarters in New York City. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, a man who is not testifying down in Fulton County, Georgia. No ma'am. Fonnie Willis and the case against Donald Trump going up in smoke as we speak the smoke from a fire log in a romantic getaway where we are now finding out that she and her paramour were engaged in a little bit of a tryst long before they had disclosed it in their sworn affidavits this is not oh, that can't be good that's no, not good for them uh probably a better day for trump and his team as it pertains to this particular prosecution uh but we'll get into all of that it's a busy day today uh morgan artagas is going to be here and we're going to have a grown-up talk about that little little scare in washington yesterday they were like well you know russia might nuke us from space so we got to send all our money to Ukraine. This is politics as usual. No one even reacted to it, which is a bad sign for the country because it means the government has lost its people in a lot of ways. We don't take them at face value on anything they say. And that was ostensibly the reaction yesterday. They were like, well, we've got a national security situation on our hands. And uh, we can't tell you what it is. The documents are classified, which means, you know, if you want the classified documents, you'll have to get them the old-fashioned way and go to the President Joe Biden's garage. Biden is such a disaster. Just being silly. 888-788-9910. If you want a part of the show today, of course, always the number. If you don't want a part of the show, you just want to call in and, you know. You suck, you jackass. I'm in the mood for some of those calls. Let's have a chippy afternoon. 888-788-9910. You know the deal. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. Libertarian. Independent. You could be a member of the Whig Party, like Donald Trump. This guy will say anything. I'm being silly. All we ask is that you don't be a There it is. Happy Thursday. A uh, lot to get to, but I want to start down in Georgia. Nathan Wade, okay, is being grilled on the stand right now. He follows earlier testimony from a witness identified as the best friend of Fonnie Willis, the best friend of Fonnie Willis, testifying under oath uh, against the penalty of perjury that Fonnie Willis and her man have been getting it on since 2019. Oh, yes, I've read about that in the Bible. Now, the reason that date is significant is because Fonnie Willis and her man, when this conflict of interest arose and an ethics investigation ensued, okay, they both wrote in sworn affidavits that this relationship began five years later. Now, the reason that becomes a huge problem for both of them is their credibility goes out the window. So without getting too far into the weeds on the testimony, her 
best friend, a woman who lived with Fonnie Lewis, said that she was pulling her clothes off for this guy since 2019. Hubba hubba. Well, I don't, I don't know. Hubba hubba. You got to see Fonnie Lewis before you play that clip. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know that we have consensus on hubba hubba. I think we get an awful lot of these too. But long story short, and I want credit for this. I want credit. Okay, I get on the air every day and make fun of myself. That's like part of the charm of the show is that I'm I'm in on the joke with you. Okay, I have no formal broadcast training. I don't come from an extensive background in politics. My gift to the world of media is that I'm really good with human instinct. Okay, I drove a taxi a long time. You get good at assessing people and their energy and their intent and human nature. Because when you're driving a cab, you've got to figure out who wants to get a ride home and who wants to end up driving the cab with your body in the trunk. That's essentially how it starts. And, you know, over time, as you spend more 12-hour shifts in traffic, you start hoping somebody will kill you and throw you in the trunk because you're sick of your life. I've been on both sides of this coin, but I want credit for this. I said this months ago on this show. I said, yo, that girl down in Georgia, this is laid out for all to see, okay? She essentially prosecuted Trump because it would finance an affair she was having with this guy. Bingo. Okay, that's, that's, it's the long and short of it now. We know this. If they've been hooking up since 2019... Okay, and we had this Georgia case come down the pike about Trump saying on the phone, you got to go find the votes. The transcripts clear him because he doesn't actually say, like, go find illegal votes that don't exist so I can win the election. He says to Brad Raffsenberger at the time, the secretary uh, of state in Georgia, we believe there's 53,000 outstanding votes. We're only asking for you to find the decisive amount. We don't need a five-year investigation. We don't need a three-year investigation. But we do need an investigation that will get us to the proper vote total because we believe that's what's out there. Now, that is not the same thing as saying, go find me the votes I need to win. But the media sure ran with it like it was. The media is a bunch of losers. But the reason this prosecution didn't happen, January of twenty-one. January of 22, January of 23, is because nobody wanted to take the case on the merits, except for a couple, one of whom was going through a bitter and expensive divorce, decided, you know how we could get all these hot sheets motels paid for? We launch a prosecution into Trump, take the budget, and spend it on each other. And we now know this dude was getting paid nearly 500% more from the chick he happened to be sleeping with than the other investigators on the case. That's not right. We know it's not right. It looks an awful lot like an ethics violation. It looks an awful lot like this prosecution out in Georgia is on its way out the door. Okay, but the reason this is so significant and this is the reason I want to focus on this is, yeah, it looks like this case is going to fly out the window and Trump's going to be fine. They're going to lose on an ethics violation. Their integrity's crushed. It's hard to make anyone believe that this prosecution is being brought on the merits. 
Okay, the, I mean, the merit here is that these two clearly enjoy each other's company, so they're passing the bill on to the taxpayer. Okay, but when Trump gets exonerated in this case, most people are just going to walk away. All right, on to the next trial. But we need to have that slam the brakes moment where we collectively acknowledge the damage being done to our country by people who have no regard for the rule of law and how weaponizing it politically is impacting the integrity of the rule of law. This is where we find ourselves right now. We've never had a president indicted in the 247-year history of the country. Donald Trump has now been indicted 91 times, and his poll numbers keep going up. Now understand, that's not a testament to Trump voters being stupid or in a cult. I don't doubt that there are people out there that have like a devotion to him that's almost cultish. But that's not the vast majority of his supporters. The vast majority of his supporters don't trust the D.C. establishment. And the government's word is worth nothing to people. Okay, so Trump being indicted 91 times and not putting a dent in him is really reflective on the integrity of the intel community. Okay, it's really an impact on the reflection on the integrity of someone like Merrick Garland at the DOJ. Okay, just last week, the DOJ decided not to charge Biden with a crime that they said he willingly and knowingly committed. And they said, well, he's an old doddering old man. He's going to look sympathetic on the stand. We won't charge him. But at the same time, they're charging Donald Trump. And you understand when there's a double standard, there's no standard. So the rule of law and the word of law is weakening in this country because these folks are so desperate to take down a political opponent that they don't care about the scorched earth tactic because they're not trying to convict Trump in the in the court of law. They're trying to convict him in the court of public opinion. Let's indict him 91 times. Everybody will go, wow, it's crazy. It's too much. Enough of this already. We got to move on. And then they don't actually need a conviction. They just need to flood the zone. And that's what's going on. The first indictment in New York, that's a scam. Alvin Bragg was the guy to break the threshold of indictment. And he did so on federal grounds. Okay, a New York district attorney does not have the jurisdiction to charge someone federally. He knows what he's talking about. But he did it anyway. Now, we know the case is going nowhere. It's no different than the civil case about Trump overvaluing his assets to borrow against them. Trump is being prosecuted in a civil court. For the first time in history, as someone in a borrowing case that doesn't have any victim, you dig, they're accusing him of a crime, but they can't name a victim. Think about that. They're not alleging that he misrepresented his wealth and missed payments and the bank suffered. They're not alleging he misrepresented his wealth and paid late and the bank didn't know that would be a thing. No, no. The allegation is he misrepresented the value of some of his properties. He inflated them, according to one biased judge's uh, review and assessment. But lo and behold, all the banks got paid on time. There is no victim in the crime. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Do you understand? This is the financial equivalent of charging someone for murder, but we don't have anyone dead. Okay, if you can't take a step back and see how that undermines the integrity of the judicial system, you're an abject crazy person. Okay, when it comes to the civil liability, he's got to pay $83 million to E. Jean Carroll. 
Okay, there were no criminal charges in that case because they don't know when it happened. They don't have any corroborating evidence. They don't have any eyewitness testimony. They simply have a woman who went on the Rachel Maddow show and laughed about it and told jokes about being sexually assaulted who got a sympathetic jury in New York City where they're 96% liberal, and they awarded her $83 million in civil damages. Okay, but this stuff cheapens the integrity of our judicial system. Okay, Fonnie Willis essentially bringing a case against Trump because she wants to get laid and not pay for it. Okay, that's reality. You might not like the language I'm using this hour of the day, but that's the headline. So what do we pretend it doesn't happen and just let them get away with more? Okay, this is really dangerous stuff for the country. And what you're finding now is there are people out there that are so hell-bent on getting control of our government that there's not going to be a government left to control. That's the concern. Okay, when the rule of law has no integrity. Yesterday, they said to us, they said to us, hey, the head of the National Intel Threat Committee believes there is a threat of primal importance to the United States and its assets regarding Russia. We're trying to declassify the information. Okay, this is an all-hands-on-deck moment. The story didn't even make the top three headlines of the day because no one believes any of this anymore. And it looks really curious that that threat assessment comes down as they're trying to pass a $95 billion foreign aid package that no rank-and-file American supports. Nobody. This is a government doing whatever the hell it wants. Okay, when inflation was at a 40-year high, you didn't ask for billions of dollars in climate spending. You asked for inflation reduction. So what did they do? They titled the bill the Inflation Reduction Act, and then they went out and spent every penny in the bill on climate change. What a fraud! But that was not doing the bidding of the people, okay? Nobody in their right mind, okay, was asking for $95 billion to go to Ukraine and secure their border at a time when ours is wide open at a record level. So they're trying to gain support for it by being like, look, Russia could nuke us from space. This, I'm telling you, we read it. It's a thing. Russia, you know, they're struggling to beat Ukraine, but they they have the capability to take us all out from space. Okay, it's preposterous on its face. But the reason we don't trust them on that claim is because we've been lied to by the government in so many other ways. Okay, the government, okay, and we could take this back 20 years. The government told you Iraq had weapons of mass destruction. (laughs) Still ain't found it. Okay, really think about that. Okay, they told you Russia colluded to control the outcome of the 2016 election. (laughs) The government, they told you that Hunter Biden's laptop was Russian disinformation. (laughs) As his business partners continue to testify under oath. Okay, they told you vaccinated people couldn't get and spread COVID. (laughs) They told you there was no way COVID came from a lab. (laughs) Guys, this is the government. This is the credibility of the people who are supposed to be leading this country, and no one trusts them anymore. You know when you get into a car and you got the GPS telling you where to go? This happens with me and Jenny. Like, she'll put on one app, and it'll be like, you know, you're going to take Route 95. You're going to make a left. And then you're like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that's the route. I'm going to use my other GPS. That's where we are now. 
The government is giving us directions, but nobody believes in them anymore. So we're all switching to another app because we trust anything more than this one. And that's the biggest problem with the people steering the country. He's the most talented man on the radio, but he needs your help. We all know somewhere underneath all of that bright color, there's a man who's not right. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. And so you're, you know, without going into all the the painstaking details, there is no doubt in your mind that from 2019 until 2022, um, Ms. Willis and Mr. Wade were in a romantic relationship. What's the question? Um, You have no doubt that their romantic relationship was in effect from 2019 until the last time you spoke with her. No doubt. And that's based on your personal observations and, observe, and you know, speaking with them and seeing them together and things like that. Yes. So that is the beginning, middle, and the end of the prosecution of Donald Trump down in Georgia. Okay, why is that significant? Because the credibility of the prosecutor and her lead investigator now fly completely out the window. They were having an affair. The taxpayers were paying for this. They allegedly visited the White House. They traveled in 2022 and 2023. This, according to Nathan Wade himself, who is now testifying under oath as we speak, which is a very fancy way of just saying, yeah, hey, you know, this hooking up stuff is nice. You know, we could get paid to hook up. You know, we could have the hotel rooms paid for. All we got to do is find something big and expensive to investigate. Do you realize how damaging that is to the integrity of the rule of law that that went on? Like, I don't know that there's a criminal statute for this, but gosh, I hope there is. This is terrible. Okay, and the sad part is if this affair is not exposed, this prosecution might make its way all the way to trial and a sympathetic you know, jury in a county that just hates Donald Trump would convict him. Like, but guys, that's really, really bad. For the rule of law, like you hear people say, oh, banana republic, it's beyond a banana republic. It's a I want to share my banana republic. (laughs) What the hell did you just say? (laughs) I mean, man, this is nuts. So the good news is the case is going to end. The bad news is the integrity of our judicial system also uh, struggling to survive another day after one of these prosecutions. We'll get into it, uh, and we're going to get an update from a horrific event out in Kansas City that took place yesterday. We've got the latest on that as well when we come back on Fox Across America. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hey, it's Hutton with Row. Hot Mike is here on the Outkick Network. We've got your afternoon covered with the latest sports discussion, and it's available wherever you find your audio. Daily analysis and news. He is hot. I am Mike. Actually, my <laughs> name is Chad. His name is Jonathan. But you get the picture. We're going to bring it every single day. Whatever you want to call us, we'll respond to. We just want you to respond to what we're dishing out every day. And while you're here, we hope you subscribe to the podcast, like, subscribe, and share. Wow. 
even MSNBC now saying this is the headline game over. MSNBC legal analyst declares Fonnie Willis case against Trump dead after shocking courtroom revelation. I mean, man, this is a wild one. Okay, the reason this matters is because they're going to disqualify the prosecutor because she lied. She lied to the court. And if you lie to the court as a prosecutor, it's physically impossible for them to believe you on anything else. Correct mundo. Wow. This is, man, that's gone. The Jack Smith thing, I mean, my, they have nothing on Trump in terms of classified documents. How do I know that? How could you say that, Jimmy? Because when they have something on Trump, they leak it immediately. Okay, they everything they had on Trump in the Mar-a-Lago raid, they showed you. If you remember, they raided Mar-a-Lago with guns out like it was a drug cartel. It was disgraceful. They raided Mar-a-Lago. Trump wasn't even there, wasn't even in the state. They raided Mar-a-Lago guns drawn like there was going to be some kind of a standoff. Why did they do that? Because they wanted the optics of like, hey, this is serious. This is a big deal, you guys. Come on, don't bullshit me. And then they took the classified documents. I mean, you could look at this on on anywhere on on the internet. I mean, you know, it's on the internet. It must be true. But no, you could look at the FBI's feed. The FBI did this. Not me. Not some crazy right wing guy. The FBI, after the Mar-a-Lago raid, posted, posted on its feed. A display on the rugs of Mar-a-Lago of all the classified documents they rounded up. You know, these documents are so sacred, so secret, so dangerous that we can't have anyone see them outside a skiff. And to make that point, we're just going to spread them out on the floor here at Mar-a-Lago and post a photo of them. That's what they did. Okay, understand they have nothing on Trump. Trump did not try to, like, sell nuclear secrets to China. Okay, when the threat is that grave, they don't go, all right, we'll let the court get around to it when they do. Okay, it's like the Russian collusion thing, as we were saying on the air constantly. If they had really believed Vladimir Putin had seized control of our government... They weren't going to let Trump preside over the government for years on end. Bingo. These cases are not designed to convict anyone in the court of law. They're there to convict him in the court of public opinion. Throw it over his head. So you understand the Jack Smith trials, he's going to beat that. That's a dead end. You can't prosecute him for retaining classified information as a former president. When we now have proof that Biden kept 50 years worth of classified information, stuff from his Senate days, stuff from his vice presidential days, those two jobs, neither of which came with declassification authority. Okay, Joe Biden held on to those documents and the prosecutor determined that he did so knowingly and willingly. He should be behind bars. Of course he should if that's the law. But they were like, well, you know, you can't prosecute him. He's an elderly man with a poor memory. He'd look sympathetic because he doesn't know what planet he's on. At which point, the Democrats are like, how dare you? 
But the alternative to how dare you is they put Biden on trial and criminally charge him. Come on, man. That's the alternative. You either have to accept that he's cognitively impaired and can't stand trial, or you have to let him stand trial. There's no in-between. The prosecutor didn't determine that he didn't break the law. The prosecutor didn't determine, ah, nothing to see here. Must be some Fox News guys getting you all worked up again. That's not what happened. What happened is a guy broke the law. And now they're trying to tell you he shouldn't be charged because he's a doddering old fool. We have a president that is clearly not all there. So you understand another case that's going to be really hard to bring against Trump because the integrity and the double standard, okay, that get called into question when you charge Trump for retaining classified documents as a former president with declassification authority, but you don't trust Biden— Okay, it's not going to fly. Okay, and this Georgia prosecution is dead. Here's Caroline Polisi on MSNBC. MSNBC, which is not exactly Mar-a-Lago Monthly, okay, the people who spent three years telling you Russia stole the election. It was made up by these sick people. Okay, they're now saying this one's over. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think... Uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to, to the court. It's, it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. Wow. That's MSNBC. Okay, MSNBC, they're the people who were putting on Adam Schiff every night. Remember when Adam Schiff, with a straight face of the, as the head of the House Intel Community Committee, 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 House Intel Committee, He would get on your TV set every night over and over and over again and say Trump colluded with Russia. It's beyond circumstantial. Okay, that guy, MSNBC. Listen, here it is. Clip 36. The campaign accepted help, which we know they did. Uh, The Russians then delivered help, which we know they did. There is circumstantial evidence of collusion. The case is more than that. uh, And I can't go into the particulars but there is more than circumstantial evidence now, so... You've said on more than one occasion that you've seen ample evidence of the Trump campaign's Russia collusion. Last March, you said you had more than circumstantial evidence of treasonous collusion with Russia. I've certainly certainly said that there's ample evidence of collusion. Can you agree that there has been no evidence of collusion coordination or conspiracy that has been presented thus far between the Trump campaign and Russia? Uh, No, I don't agree with that at all. I think there's plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy. But we do know this. The Russians offered help. The campaign accepted help. The Russians gave help. And the president made full use of that help. And that is pretty damning. Garbage like you just makes me sick. Seriously, Adam Schiff. You are so full of sh**. The woman says, can you agree there's been no evidence of collusion, coordination, or conspiracy that has been presented thus far? Schiff said no. Okay, but understand, that's what he was saying on channels like MSNBC. Do you know what he was saying under oath behind closed doors? He was saying, we ain't found That's what he was saying. Behind closed doors. He's like, no, we don't have collusion. There's nothing out there. But on TV, he could go on MSNBC. Okay, he could trot over to CNN. CNN is the worst. And he could tell them both. Oh, no, no, you know, collusion's everywhere. We've never seen so much collusion. This is freaky. It's like I'm actually nervous to be around this much collusion. 
I don't know, is it unhealthy? Can I get like a contact high, like secondhand smoke, like secondhand collusion? It's not good. I don't want to be in trouble. This is dangerous. We got that much collusion. MSNBC was willing to air that to damage the Trump presidency and tear the country in half for three years. So when MSNBC gets on TV and says this Georgia case is over, believe me, it's not because they want to. He's a lousy dad, but he's right. They're saying it's over because it's over. You are correct, sir. Fascinating stuff. And, uh, you know, we're going to sit here and continue to monitor the testimony. All the networks just finally took a commercial. They had been carrying this live for about three years. Not three years. Felt did feel that long. <laughs> for about three hours. Uh, and it certainly took our eye off the ball uh, of a horrific event that happened yesterday out in Kansas City that I just wanted to get you a quick update on before we go to break. Uh, we now know that one person is dead. 22 others were injured during the shooting that took place yesterday during the Kansas City Chiefs victory parade. Uh, and that just breaks your heart, man. They were having a victory rally at Union Station, something they have become pretty accustomed to doing as back-to-back Super Bowl champions. Nine children were amongst the 22 injured by the gunfire. Uh, it, You know, this isn't supposed to be a thing. Like, you go to a parade, you know, because you're at a parade. They won the Super Bowl. It's a feel-good moment. This is a win for the community. This is a moment when, you know, you can kind of let your cares and your troubles out of the room for a little while, and you can just kind of indulge in that feeling of accomplishment and success and, you know, the civic pride that comes with winning something as monumental as a Super Bowl. We don't know who the animals are involved in this shooting, but they're animals. When you start firing into a crowd like that, especially one with kids in it, you have no regard for human life. You don't deserve our respect. You don't deserve our consideration. I don't want to hear about, you know, how your day was going before you decided to do this. I don't want to hear about how life treated you before you decided to do this, okay? Nothing, nothing gives you... Okay, purchase over the value of someone else's life. Nothing. The fact that the authorities haven't named the suspects yet bothers me. Now, if they don't know and they're truly figuring it out, I'm fine with it. But if people are taken into custody and we don't know, and there is a motivation to conceal it from us, uh, that does bother me. Okay, but of course, nothing in this moment bothers me more than the fact that all of these people uh, have suffered uh, a heinous tragedy uh, that we will continue to update. We just don't have a lot to offer in this moment uh, other than we know when it happened. Okay, we know how many people were there. There were 800 cops that ran towards the gunfire. Uh, We know a lot of people are heartbroken and uh, we can give you some sound from the event. Uh, But beyond that, It's the thing that drives me the craziest, man. Uh, When you have a national radio platform, you have your own TV show, uh, you try to use it for good. You try to remind people, you know, that we're really missing the whole point of being alive right now. And, uh, you know, there's something broken in our society that is instilling an indifference in people to human life. I think some of it has to do with how we treat each other. I think a lot of it has to do with social media. And uh, I think in this age of weapons-grade narcissism, The fact that everything is so convenient and carefully curated for you in your phone and you're the center of the universe and you run your own one-man news network now where you report what you had for dinner, you report what song you were just listening to, you report which movies you like better than others. Social media really needs a button called Who Asked You? That is correct. But as to uh, the hero who tackled the gunman, here is Paul Contreras, uh, and they did ask him about it. Here is clip 25. One guy was hollering and saying, you know, stop him. 
or catch him, you know, tackle him, whatever. And he's just, just bailing, running. And out of nowhere, I heard that guy hollering. So I'm just like, okay, well, I'm right here. And I just, I never think about it. It was just a reaction. I didn't hesitate. It was just, just do it. So I went to go tackle him and another gentleman did the same thing. And as I'm tackling him, I see his weapon either fall out of his hand or out of his sleeve because he was wearing a long jacket or like a Carhartt. So when I seen that hit the ground, I'm like, oh, you know, we got to take this guy down. And they did take the guy down. Uh, and certainly for that, uh, we do salute them for that effort. Here is an additional uh, take on the event, clip 26. We held him down. And it seemed like forever, but it probably wasn't. It was like 30 seconds holding him down. And me and the other gentleman are hollering at ongoers, you know, where's the cops? Where's, you know, get the cops over here, get the cops over here. You know, we got them. And then finally one cop showed up. Then another cop showed up. But we were just, all our weight was on. We couldn't let him get up. So we're just holding him down, holding him down. Finally the cops get there. And they pretty much took over from there. So we do know it was a male shooter, uh, at least one of the suspects, based on that testimony from the guy who actually tackled this dirtbag. Uh, but, you know, when you hear something like that, man, you know, it's impossible if you really try to process events, you know, where people truly express an indifference to human life, human life that they don't even know, that you're upending the lives of not only the person you're shooting at, but the lives of everybody that loves them and cares about them and is a part of their community. It's really a disgusting place to find ourselves. And, you know, there's a cheap reaction to stuff like this that revolves around the politics of it. Well, you know, the guns, you know, or this is why we need more guns so you can fight, you know, that whole thing. Okay, but the reality is, and there's no escaping this, normal people don't do this. Broken people do. We have a problem with broken people in our society. There are literally hundreds of millions of gun owners walking around in this country. Okay, probably 100 million is the guess. If I want to get that accurate, the population of 330 million, we have 600 million guns that we know of, you know, I think the actual accurate assessment is around 100 million, okay? And they're not walking around shooting people, okay? They're walking around armed and fortified in the event that they find themselves in one of these situations, okay? But understand, you know, for all the talk about political rhetoric and all the talk about who's to blame, all the lawmakers won't pass a law, you know, the end of the day, the responsibility falls on the individual who did this. We have a real problem in this country, with an indifference to life, with an indifference to decency. And where does that really, really start? It starts on the home, man. A lot of parents have been derelict in their duty to raise decent children. Okay, sadly, some of them weren't around to do it, and that's fine. Okay, but the vast majority of people who are uh, fortunate enough to be able to raise a child, you know, have a civic obligation to the rest of us to raise that child right, to teach them decency, just the basic tenets of right and wrong and compassion and consideration. And it feels like you're living in a moment right now that incentivizes everything but that. Social media wants you to treat people who disagree with you as, you know, on a murderous rampage to destroy the country. Don't be friends with them. Don't talk to them. Excommunicate them from your families. Okay, we're doing it wrong. 
You know, and I don't have an answer. My only answer to everybody is like, hey, chill out. The fact that we're just beating the pee out of each other every day politically can't be good for any of us in the long run. Okay, but this is one of those days to, you know, think of ways you can help. Think of ways I can help. And obviously chill out is always a first step forward when everybody's beating each other up. But I think the bigger takeaway is if you're a parent, man, you're somebody on the verge of being a parent, you know, you really got to commit to yourself and to the rest of us that you're going to try to raise a halfway decent person and hold yourself accountable to do so. Okay, because the people capable of doing things like we saw in Kansas City, okay, they were failed somewhere along the way. Okay, but the rest of us shouldn't get the bill for it. So parents in this country really do need to step up. And I'm out here in the real world, and I know what's right or wrong or bullshit. A show so good, it moves the stock market. The Dow racing up on Jimmy's remarks. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Alex is out in Brooklyn. Alex! Hey, good morning. Uh, what am I saying? Yeah, uh, whatever. Jimmy, thanks for taking the call. Sorry. <laughs> Woke up a little late today. Um, I think you're 100% correct about the gun situation. We shouldn't be talking about more guns or less guns. Although, really, if we could get rid of all the guns, that would be, you know, great. All the guns in the country. But that's yeah. not possible because you make it a law that you got to give back the guns. Yeah, and you know what happens to countries? You know what happens to countries yep. that don't have guns? The government does whatever the hell they want. <laughs> the you know, Second Amendment. True, but even if you make it a law, you got to give back the guns. The criminals aren't going to give it back. Only the law-abiding no, citizens. Man. So the real issue is that what we have to focus on is the mental illness because in the 1990s, you were able to obtain a gun as easily as nowadays. So it's not the guns that are increasing the dramatic, you know, mm-hmm. situation we have here. Yep. It's the mental illnesses, the social media, and the victimization of little children. When we're telling them you can be successful because you're a victim, and then they grow up, they're not successful. They get mad of the world they get mad at the society that's victimized them and sadly we have the situation we got to get on top of that i yep. think spot on analysis alex worse. and you beat the shot clock with 10 seconds to go take a bow i'll just second that emotion as Smokey robinson once sang uh more of the hits when we come back on fox across america live from everywhere usa it's fox across america with jimmy Fallon. Oh, you bet it is. And we are fired up in this hour to bring you an embarrassment of radio riches. I know I say that to you from time to time, but we deliver. We deliver on the campaign promise. This is a phenomenal show. Uh, We got a tough crowd. We got a tough crowd in the production booth. Uh, We also have Morgan Ortegas coming by to have a grown-up talk. She was, of course, a spokesperson for Secretary of State Mike Pompeo over at the State Department. And uh, she is going to discuss claims from the current State Department that Russia is about to nuke us from space. What the hell is the world coming to? I don't know that they are, but I do know that this dire threat was rolled out at the same time they're trying to get $95 billion worth of funding for Ukraine which makes you wonder if one is linked to the other. Okay, 888-788-9910. But let me give you really quickly, because we're doing a lot today on the show. Okay, there's this ongoing testimony down in Atlanta where Fonnie Willis, the woman prosecuting Trump, 
uh, has apparently been given a real spanking to one of her real prosecutors as well. Uh, They are in a misconduct hearing that ostensibly has ended the Georgia case against Trump, if only because she's going to be disqualified because she lied to the court about the relationship she was having. Get her out. Get her out of here. So we continue to monitor that, but it's looking an awful lot like a dead end. Uh, As it pertains to the space nukes, (laughs) that's what we're calling them. Okay, so this story came down yesterday. The House Intelligence Committee chairman announced yesterday that he wants the president to declassify information related to a serious national security threat. Said, all right, he's a Republican from Ohio, like Jim Jordan, like Jenny Fela. Hey, girl. And uh, he said, you know, we've got to declassify this stuff. Okay, I'm requesting that Biden declassify all information relating to this threat so that Congress, the administration, and our allies can openly discuss the actions necessary to respond to this threat. So it sounds like, you know, we got an urgent situation on our hands. Okay, Russia might possess space nukes, and they could take out our satellites in space. And then we're basically flying blind here in America as it pertains to the Internet and our ability to communicate with each other digitally. That's the concern we were told. Okay, but we're getting conflicting information on how this is going to go down. Jake Sullivan, speaking at the White House yesterday, said this, clip three. So first, I reached out uh, earlier this week to the Gang of Eight uh, to offer myself up for a personal briefing to the Gang of Eight. And in fact, we scheduled a briefing for the four House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. Uh, That's been on the books. So I am a bit surprised that Congressman Turner came out publicly today in advance of a meeting on the books for me to go sit with him alongside our intelligence and defense professionals tomorrow. That's his choice to do that. All I can tell you is that I'm focused on going to see him, sit with him, as well as the other House members of the Gang of Eight tomorrow. So it doesn't sound like everybody's story is square. But the Speaker of the House, okay, Mike Johnson, says don't be concerned. Clip two. I saw Chairman Turner's statement on the issue, and I I want to assure the American people there is no need for public alarm. We are going to work together to address this matter as we do all sensitive matters that are classified. And beyond that, uh, I'm not at liberty to disclose classified information and really can't say much more. But we just want to assure everyone, uh, steady hands are at the wheel, we're working on it, and there's no need for alarm. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Woo! I don't honestly, you know, look at the people running things right now and go, no, they got it under control. No, no, these, I feel good about. We have people in Washington that don't know what they're doing. But long story short, this back and forth plays out as they're trying to pass a 95 or at least gin up support for a $95 billion foreign aid bill Okay, a bill that's become a standalone. It was initially tethered to our border security bill. We wanted to pass a border security bill because eight million people have overwhelmed our southern border. We're dealing with a record level of fentanyl poisoning deaths here in America. So you're like, all right, well, we need to do something about the border. So, uh, you know, the way this works in politics where you can't spend money on the thing and not spend money on everything else. So we were on the verge of passing a border bill that would have allocated $20 billion in resources to America and about $60 billion to Ukraine. 
Lo and behold, when the bill to protect America's borders failed, they're like, well, we still got to do the foreign policy bill. So now they're granting $95 billion in funding to Ukraine, Israel, and the Indo-Pacific nations, and nothing to our country. Welcome to the Biden administration, home to the new slogan, America last. Guys, this is, you know, unacceptable. And everybody, everybody listening, you're not my enemy if you're a Democrat, okay? You know who my enemy is right now? The people running the country into the ground. The government is supposed to work for us, okay? We send them to Washington, your taxpayer dollars pay their salary. The government is not keeping up its end of the bargain. It's not securing the border. People are dying because of it. Okay, the government is not keeping up its end of the bargain as it pertains to our national debt with $34 trillion in debt. It's one of the biggest challenges we face right now. So they keep printing and spending more money. And the money we do have getting allocated for foreign causes, America is not supposed to be the world's ATM. Yeah, we want to help our allies, but we're currently sending money to countries that have a lower debt-to-person ratio than we do, meaning we're giving countries whose economies are in better shape than ours our money, okay? Like, hey, here's a couple of bucks for defense, even though you guys can— That's stupid! Use your common sense! That's going on right now. So you understand— that when people start to hear this uh, out of nowhere, oh, Russia's going to nuke the satellites. Okay, we better send some money to Ukraine because as long as they keep fighting Russia, the satellites won't get nuked. There is no way, there is no way that I can properly impress upon you, okay, the levels to which the establishment politicians are determined to fund the military-industrial complex in this country, okay? It's the only true priority, it's the only true ideology that anyone in Washington agrees on. Money, 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 money. War is good business. And they love Ukraine because we don't yet have American troops on the ground per se. Sadly, we're losing service members in the Middle East right now because of the drone attacks the Houthis, okay, Hamas, all those dirtbags attacking our assets in the region. But there's a financial motivation to keep these conflicts going on in a manageable fashion, okay? Pays well. And it's sad because there could very well be a dire threat against our satellites in space, but the government has lost the room, man. They've lost the room. Okay, when the government says, when the intel committee says, hey, man, a dire threat to America in space. Five years ago, 10 years ago, everybody in the world would have stopped what they were doing. Bingo, man, bingo. Okay, every one of us, the only thing we're talking about right now. So what's up with the threat? What do we hear? What do we know? What are we doing? What's going on? You would have stopped everything we did. And I understand we're more fragmented now. We consume different news sources. We have different priorities. Okay, but believe me, when you hear something of that magnitude, it's supposed to stop us in our tracks. It's not stopping us in our tracks because this is a government again and again and again that just keeps lying to us. So it's hard to know what the answer to this is. We're going to talk about it with Morgan Artagas. Uh, She was a State Department spokesperson. Okay, she's coming by. We'll get to the bottom of it. 
But my biggest concern right now in terms of threats to America, okay, is not Putin nuking satellites. It's that the people we're supposed to trust have lost our trust. What can I tell you, kid? You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're listening to the most relatable man on the radio. Best way to describe him is to say he's the typical boy next door. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. The plane tickets have been bought, folks. I am heading out to the Colonial Theater in Idaho Falls, Friday, March the 1st, myself. Word on the street is my cousin Tommy is going to be at the show, along with a lot of KID listeners, Richard Meacham, all those guys. John is ahead of the curve. He's in Idaho Falls right now. Yo, John. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call. For sure. I don't know if you're going to like my comments or not. Okay. (laughs) I'm easy, man. It's okay. You know, if everybody agreed with me, it'd be boring. What do you know? Well, I know that you keep misquoting how much... Money's going to Ukraine. Yeah, it's sixty billion. It's not ninety-five yes. billion. But well, I said that. I said, but just so we're clear, I said sixty billion of Ukraine, ninety-five in total, because Israel and the Indo-Pacific. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. And it needs to be going there. Yeah, it's a proxy war, but it's preventing a larger war. I'm a Reagan. Yeah, yeah. Oh. If I was like in my thirties or forties, I'd be in Ukraine now fighting and uh-huh. This is the way I am. Okay. Putin is the king of an evil empire. About 75% of Russia is territories that they've conquered in their history and never released. Mm-hmm. They've talked about they want to go further. Once they get Ukraine behind them, they rebuild their military because. Now. Help them like we should. Well, listen to They've me. done remarkably good with what they've. I'm fine with helping Ukraine. The problem is no one is identifying what would constitute victory. Like, how do we get an off ramp uh, in a conflict with a nuclear power that some people would say we provoked by expanding NATO so closely to their borders? I think the bigger issue is not whether or not we should support Ukraine. It's that most people listening to this uh, see 60 billion going to Ukraine and an additional 35 billion to our other allies, but see our own border unprotected. Does that not strike you as a, I don't know, maybe a little bit of a, a misguided effort by the United States government? Well, the border issue is important. I have no problem with closing the border. Uh, Biden is throwing a white elephant out there. He has all the powers he needs to do it. He doesn't need any more money, any more funding for Border Patrol agents. Your signal got a little choppy, John. Positioned by by Trump. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he reinstated all that, the border problem would be done. Yep. You know, person, I have no... Yeah. Your signal is coming and going on you, buddy. I don't want to lose you. Uh, I don't want you to. I don't want you to think I actually hung up on you. I guess is what I'm saying because your signal's coming back and forth. But I guess what we should be able to agree on is it's fine to help Ukraine, uh, but there's no reason we shouldn't be able to do both. And if we can only do one, then we should be helping the United States of America. I, you know, I don't want Putin to take over the world. I am not pro-Putin. Uh, there are a lot of people out there getting clicks right now from praising Putin. Uh, Believe me, there's a reason nobody telling you Russia is better than America is moving to Russia. Uh, They're all coming back to America. 
Uh, but here's the bottom line. Okay, when you talk about the government sending 60 bill to Ukraine and another 35 billion to everybody else, and you've got 76% of this country under the belief that we're headed in the wrong direction, you've got tens of millions of Americans going hungry, hungry, without food. Okay, the idea that we should be sending $95 billion to the other side of the world rubs a lot of people the wrong way, okay, because it should. That's true. That is true. So it's not a blanket endorsement of Vladimir Putin by any stretch. But it's a reality that in this country, okay, you're not the priority. Like, you're the piggy bank, but you're not the priority. Daniel's in Boise, Idaho. I'm heading there, too. Daniel! Jimmy, you're the man. I just want to tell you what a great monologue. You're right on the point. And uh, my legal analysis, you know, when you remember uh, Alicia James saying she's going to get Trump, well, doesn't that kind of blow that case apart? That seems kind of illegal. And then, and I know Mr. Comer, who you had on yesterday, was doing a fantastic work very slow, meticulous. But can we just use the tape that Biden said, if you don't give the billion dollars, you're not getting the money? I mean, isn't that right there incriminating? <laughs> in <laughs> theory. saying it right there on the tape. In theory. Yeah. And, yeah, and there's a guy. I'll wrap it up. There's a, there was a guy who wanted to spend $5 billion on a wall a few years back, and that would have saved us about $500 billion a year in taking care of illegals. Yep. America first. Okay, and the last thing is Binder and Budicic was the first openly gay, and then and then uh, the Secretary of uh, Health, you know, open transgender. He hires them all token, okay? Not not that a black female lesbian can't be skilled. Of course. This one is not, okay? Yep. No, but you, you want a meritocracy. I, I don't think you're saying anything insane here. Put America first. Put people in positions of prominence who know what the hell they're doing. It's a pretty solid platform, Daniel. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> Can I say one last yep, thing, Jimmy, of course. before I go? When you look at the rate at which the people are coming over, do you have any idea how long it's going to take to get those people out here, if you can at all? Well, no, no, they don't get deported. I mean, it, it's, it's, like unwind, it's like putting back the toilet paper. I mean, it's not no. happening. No, you can't. They, won't actually, they don't actually get deported. We've we got to get more guns. I hate to say it. More police. Oh, it's just a reality. we got to get ahead of the curve. I hate to say it. You know, you all have some kind of military mm. state. Well, guess what? Choose the alternative. People well, going to get shot. We need to, like, like the sheriff in Florida, shoot you bone dead or whatever. We got to get tough, man. We're just so damn. And we, Trump needs to rally at night. He said that in front of Letitia James after the court. He said, I'll have to be in court today and rally at night. That's a genius idea. Trump not? rally at night. Yeah. There it Love comes. You, get, see you, buddy. Great call, Daniel. Daniel is, you know, looking around. He has had it with this country. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Very passionate gentleman. Uh, But, you know, when you hear Daniel say things like America first, meritocracy, I'm all in on that. You won't get any, you know, point of contention from me on any of that. Uh, In terms of the country as a whole, most of the migrants coming here, you need to know this, are trying to make a better life for themselves and their family. They're breaking the law because we're letting them. We're incentivizing this sort of thing at the expense of people who are trying to come here legally, at the expense of taxpayers who are trying to get by, at the expense of minority children in inner cities whose schools are being overwhelmed. Okay, do you have any idea how hard of a middle finger Democrats have given to the black community under Joe Biden? Like they think that showing up and calling Republicans racist means they're an ally to the black community. 
But if you're an ally to the black community, you don't cut their police budgets. Okay, you don't close their schools when we run out of room for migrants at the shelter so the migrants can stay in the school gym. Okay, and if you're an ally to the black community, I don't know, maybe of the $95 billion we just shipped overseas, I don't know, maybe you shave off a billion for the black community. But is the Biden administration doing that? The answer would be no. Nope, nothing. Their answer is, well, there's an election coming, and we'll just call everyone else racist, and black people will keep voting for us. That's the move here. The left weaponizes race whenever they're losing an argument. Totally, and that's where this election is about to head between now and November. It'll be, ah, the Republicans are a bunch of racists as they continue to screw over the minorities in this country that prioritize everything but them. It's wild. We'll talk about it. Morgan Ortegas around the corner on Fox Across America. Oh, girl, if the band sounds fired up, it's because they are a multimedia sensation, fan favorite on this show, former U.S. Department of State spokesperson. She even has her own show now. I mean, it's very fancy, but Morgan Ortegas is in the house to tell us all about it. Hey, girl. Hello. Nice to be with you. It matters. Like, you can just feel the collective spirits of of the building pick up when you return. I I totally agree. I love that jacket, by the way. Oh, I'm wearing one of my NASA jackets, if you're watching on Fox Nation. This is a a good time to talk about Russian space capabilities. So maybe I I themed out the interview. I dressed for this interview, Morgan. I knew you were coming. I was like, I need some props to go along with this. But let's talk about Russian space capabilities since you'd be the authority, at least in this setting, and and I'm sure many others. (laughs) What what, um, was your immediate takeaway when you heard this? Because there's two things. There's two dueling narratives that I've been privy to. One is they're trying to spend a lot of money on foreign aid and they might need to gin us up. The other is what the hell's going on? So you tell me. Um, I thought it was – so when I first read the tweet, me and all my other national security dork friends went, hmm – like, this is weird because Mike Turner um, is not a flamethrower, yeah. right? He's not a bomb thrower. Um, he's a very pretty level-headed guy. He's been on the Intel Committee for a long time. And Intel Committee chairs don't typically push out something like that. And, yeah. and as you probably saw, the stock market, like, sort of crashed. Yeah, kind you know, of freaked out. They were like, Yeah, what's going on here? And it seemed to catch everyone off guard. Now, from my super nerdy vantage point, the mm-hmm. fact that Russian space capabilities got into the news cycle when I didn't expect it to, I am very excited. I'm very happy about <laughs> That's this. It's just like your thing. I was like, oh, good. We get to talk about space. Um, but yeah, I can see how it freaked everybody out. So like his motives behind it, I don't know. My guess would be um, that he sees this as sort of an existential threat to the homeland. And he thinks the Biden administration is not taking it seriously. Listen, if anybody who remembers, you know, the Chinese yeah. spy, spy balloon traversing the United States, for example, uh, you know, the administration didn't even admit that was going on until like farmers in Dakota yeah. were like, uh, I think I see a spice <laughs> yeah, yeah. ship I over actually, my head. You're going you're gonna to laugh. I was flying out to Reno on the Friday night because we didn't shoot it down until Saturday. Yeah. And our pilot when we were over Montana. It was like, if you look out the window to your right, you'll see the Chinese spy balloon over Butte, Montana. We were like, get out. Yeah, for real. We laughed out loud. We were like, that's crazy because we were at like 37,000 feet. 
pretty funny. That's wild. More so I would say that so the this administration does have uh, perhaps a history of not being able to be trusted on these things. And, you know, even though the intelligence again, this is all speculation. Mm-hmm. This is all being reported. What's being reported is that the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee, the White House and others have had the intel on Russian space capabilities for quite some time. I We all know they have. Right? This is not mm-hmm. something we learned yesterday. I think what would if I were putting myself in his shoes and I were Intel committee chairman, if if it turns out to be the type of uh, weapon that can take out our communication satellite, Uh that not only impairs us from a military command and control perspective, it also would take out civilian Mm -hmm. uh, satellite communications, which could infect the entire United States. That's dangerous. Are you saying we might not have Twitter because that could be a a net positive? (laughs) Well, we have X now. (laughs) If if we lose X, I actually think productivity goes up nationally. a lot, but I get the point you're making. Yeah, could not agree. So yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's a scary thought that the Russians could have this capability, and not just that. The issue is not just when the enemy has a capability. Yeah. The issue is when the em- enemy has a capability that you uh, can't defend yourself from. Okay. And so this we we would not be we at least reportedly from what we yeah. all know publicly we do not yet have the capability to defend ourselves from this type of weapon. That's fascinating. And right. keep in mind, in it was just way. a few years ago that the Chinese came out with their hypersonic, you know, and mm-hmm. tested something that reportedly completely caught the Pentagon off guard. So if you look at what started back in 2017 in the Trump administration, his national security strategy, which every president writes, Uh says we're going away from focusing on counterterrorism and and insurgencies and stuff like that until Biden screwed everything up. But Uh Trump said we're going away from that. We're focusing on China and Russia. The Biden administration continued that basically. They changed the words around, but it's the same thing, you know, geopolitical competition between China and Russia. If we are in that, then we have the Chinese, it was either last year or the year before, I'd have to look at the date, coming up with hypersonics out of the blue, and now the Russians with this space-based capability. And we can't defend ourselves against either enemy competitors' uh, that That's com- the belief. We're going to take us as in studio, so, giving us some Your sobering, fault for asking me about sobering space analysis. <laughs> if anybody was trying to do like a dry February after their dry January, that's out the window. There, that went, Morg. Um... Is there a world? This is what I was going to ask. Okay, you say we don't have the capacity to defend ourselves if something like Not this. Yet. Is, okay, but is there a world where we have the same offensive capacity? Oh, offensive cyber and space. Um, very good, very good question. So this is one of the reasons why you know, and and I'm not even trying to be political about yeah. this, but it's one of the reasons why people would laugh at Trump whenever he announced space force. Yeah, yeah. Not laughing anymore, are no, you? Right. Now that the Russians, can I swear on here? I was going to. We got say, a dump no, button. Okay, Get no, nuts. I was just going to say, but now that the Russians can like shoot down our shit in space, maybe space force was not such. So I mean, you remember how they were yeah. laughing about? Oh, Trump. the memes, the mockery. And like, it, what is this Battlestar Galactica? Uh, yeah, it is, and uh-huh. that's where, and that's. I mean, we basically already have a war going on in space for yep. with the Chinese and the Russians for all intents and purposes. So, um, so do we? So do we have our own offensive capabilities in space? Mm-hmm. Yes, I cannot. I. I do not know what is classified and unclassified in my head right now, so I'm okay. just going to say yes and leave it at How that. How about that? Come on. Because <laughs> you can't you know, you know, can't be uh, lax with protecting classified information or they'll make you president. Yeah, That's well, not I'm a Republican, so I definitely can't. Yeah, you'll go to jail. <laughs> <laughs> when you read that assessment like the rest of us did, okay, essentially what it sounded like the prosecutor her was saying was that he 
in a roundabout way, was guilty of retaining this information, but he would be too sympathetic at trial because of his physical state. Was that your takeaway or did I misread that? That was my takeaway in the first. And what I tweeted immediately uh-huh. was Xi Jinping, Putin, Kim Jong-un from North Korea, the Ayatollah from Iran, Maduro in Venezuela. Uh, they all read that same report yep. and, and, and will make plans accordingly. That's scary stuff. But you know what? This is what I wonder when it comes to that. Yeah. I don't know that most people had waited to form an assessment of Joe Biden, meaning when they right. talk, when the when the media tries to spin this as, oh, great. Now everyone thinks he's nuts. I'm like, here's a newsflash. Yeah, like, yeah that was baked in. <laughs> yeah. We were that ship sailed a long time ago. Yeah, uh, I believe the captain was man. Uh, Mitterrand was the captain. Yeah. You know, it's a scary time to be. So it's like on this one end, you're telling me that we might be outfoxed in space. On the other end, we're looking at an administration that hasn't really been the picture of competence on the world stage. Yeah. Um, is there any good news today, Morg? <laughs> You're going to be on Gutfeld tonight. Yeah. That's exciting. That's exciting. Listen, the good news is that we have elections in this country, yep. right? I mean, we have the ability uh, all from the presidency down to your senators and congressmen to, you know, to make changes. And that's the good thing uh, about a democracy is it doesn't have to stay uh, this way. The American people get an answer and who leads us. But I will tell you, you know, listen, I mean, there is a – a lot of people try to paint the Trump administration in which I served and was his face for foreign policy as some sort of isolationist administration. It wasn't. It never yeah. was. He didn't get us into stupid wars. Yep. He didn't put American troops on the ground if they didn't need to be. But we did things like destroy the physical caliphate of ISIS in Iraq and Syria in 2018. Mm-hmm. We released the Moab bomb in Afghanistan. Uh, before we went into negotiations with the Taliban, we were like killing these. We were like killing those guys left and right yeah. before we finally went into negotiations. We took out Qasem Soleimani in uh, in Iraq, of course, uh, the Iranian head of the Quds Force. So he doesn't he didn't hesitate to use American strength. And what concerns me about this big fight that everybody's like having over the supplemental for, mm-hmm. you know, for example, is I'm like, it's less for me. I think I'm more than happy to make the aid to Ukraine and mm-hmm. Israel and Taiwan loans. Right. That was an idea from President yeah. Trump. We have historical precedents for doing that. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. What what's happening right now? Oh, you asked me for good news. This isn't good. What's happening right now is we are depleting our ammunition and missile stockpile to defend ourselves in the Middle East against the Houthis and other terrorists. And so we need it. So, wait, I'm going to actually answer this. Good news from around the world. Good news. I'm trying to think. We'll stall. There's we'll play like a song something. or something. There's got to be something. I, uh, I am. I don't know. You know what? I don't mean to be so like dour. I, I feel like. But, yeah, I think he has. I think Biden has screwed up the world in every theater. And, you know, I very much worry that we are reading about a time in history that could later be World War Three. Well, do you think that, uh, knowing how volatile it is... I guess good news is elections, yeah, right? Back we to get that. a voice. That's a good that, point. There we go. Amen. And Because I was going to say, I, I would think behind closed doors on some level, if the Democrats are looking at polling from NBC, okay, that says 86% of Americans don't think the guy is fit for office, Yeah, they want to win this election badly enough that I think they're capable of giving the country a better nominee. The you, problem is, is like, how do they step over their vice president to do that? I know. Well, maybe they don't, but then they just lose. And you know how that ends because yeah. she ain't winning. She, there's not like people are so far past vote for us or you're a racist. 
Like, it worked yeah. for a while. Like, they yeah. actually ran the play pretty well, divided society. But I would think we're past that. Don't you kind of feel like social pressure as a whole is less, you know, viable than it was like the four or five years ago? The problem would be if they skip over her. Mm-hmm. Uh, black women are such a major part of their what, voting base. And mm-hmm. they would, I think rightfully so, feel yeah. offended. She yeah. is the first female, you know, well, um, vice president, part. person of color. So so they might they might while trying to win another part of electorate may alienate their own base and their own turnout. Wow. So they got to go like this is Susan Rice time or something. Uh, You know, they got to make a move. Yeah. You know what? She's actually I kind of and I don't want to say like I don't agree with her politically on anything, but I find her to be the kind of uh, nasty street fighter that you don't see amongst Democrats that yes. often, so I kind of respect it. We need like, that right now. Yeah, she's a little she's a little bit cutthroat. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Whoever the next president is, they can't be afraid to cut a bitch. That's what Morgan Ortega said. Basically. That's how she mouthed yeah. it, and then I repeated it just <laughs> to spare her the indignity of going there, because you're not going to be <laughs> using that language till 10 p.m. tonight. You're on Gutfeld. I know. That's I exciting, getting the band back together with our lovable comedy dwarf, and we do love Greg. We take a lot of shots at each other on the air, but it's a great show. I'll be on it next week. But Morgan, just the fact that you were here okay it matters it matters to this audience one last thing yes um how is nashville because i have on my saturday night show this week and i have a great country singer named taylor austin die she's dropping a single today she's oh, cool. number one duet a few a, a little less than a year ago um but she's coming to me with that nashville vibe nice. is everyone in nashville in your mood right now or is she about to tell my show that the world's on fire and we're all oh gonna no die? i'm the totally weird one in nashville yeah <laughs> okay. it's is she like... gonna pull out her guitar and be like we're all screwed no 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 i'm the weird one in every room from oh. that thing no i I love Nashville. Nashville's a great city. Um, my yeah, daughter is like in school there now. Everyone's, everyone's, you know, just like it's no, it's a happy place, okay. music, but mm-hmm. also a lot of business, tons of business. Oh, it's great. There. There's no, no, no well, I just, so long as we've confirmed you're the problem. We oh, completely. Want, yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm like the world is bad. <laughs> Morgan Ortega showed up to happy hour, unplugged the jukebox, <laughs> smacked our beer out of our hands. I kid. We, we needed it. We needed a grown up talk and you gave us one. So thank you. You're welcome. Listen to Morgan's show. Uh, it's Sunday mornings, correct? Sundays, 11 to one Eastern on Sirius XM Patriot Channel 125. Boom! And if, you know, you have just had a night out on a Saturday and you need to pull your life together, <laughs> I can't think of a better show to listen to. We have uh, Senator Danes on this Sunday and Love Tim it. Sheehy from Montana who's so, running for the Senate. So Senator Danes' wife, I don't know if you guys have had this discussion. No. Okay, she's like a world-class marksman. She hunts. Really? Yeah, she's oh, like cool. a long gun enthusiast. She nice. knows a lot. So yeah, you'll probably get like an aardvark out of this. So she keeps him in line. Yeah, you get a nice fur out of this interview. Okay, so, good. Play your cards I'll right, Morgan. <laughs> there it is, the great Morgan Artegas. We're back after this. It's the show that leaves you hungry for more. We'll probably sit around and cook some soup, eat bread and desserts, and just get all fat and sassy. This is Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I got to tell you, man, quick shout out to Dana Perino. And her sister, Angie. Angie, if you follow me on Instagram, at Jim Fela, Jim, J-I-M Fela. Angie, Dana's sister, painted me. She painted a picture of my famous picture of me standing in Times Square in front of my Times Square billboard. So if you've seen that picture on social media, the day my first billboard hit in Times Square, I went out to Times Square in the same outfit I was wearing on the billboards. A little trippy. 
and took a picture in front of the billboard, which the passerbys were like so weird. <laughs> they were like, what? Wait, what? What is the billboard guy doing on the sidewalk? This is weird. I mean, the weirder part for me is seeing yourself on a Times Square billboard and no one drawing X-rated graffiti on your face because that's how, you know, you know you have a real billboard in New York City. But anyway, uh, unbeknownst to me, I was hanging out with Dana last week. We did a book event in Jersey, and we had a nice dinner party Saturday night. Jenny Fela was there till she got a little carried away with the booze. They had to get her out. Uh, but I kid. But Dana's sister, Angie, made a, I painted, and I mean, an incredible picture of me. Like, it's, it's fine art. Uh, not deserved on any level. Like, I'm, I'm flattered by this. I'm, I'm for cer- certainly thankful for it. Uh, but she deserves a shout-out. And if you go to my Instagram, at Jim Fela, uh, you will see this photo and be like, wow. Like, it's not – I'm not being, like, conversationally generous because the woman took the time to paint me. I'm being spot on in my analysis. It is a world-class – and I do mean this. It is a world-class effort. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. I mean, it's like, honestly – it's too accurate because I'm not, you know, I'm not, exa- not exactly a show pony, <laughs> you know. So uh, the fact that it is as accurate of a depiction of me and these billboards uh, as it is might even be troubling at some point. You know, people look at me. That boy is a P.I.G. pig. But in the next hour, uh, we'll be pegging in a different direction. Dave Landau. As good of a touring comedian as there is, is checking in from Vegas. He's out at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. We'll have a little chit-chat about the 2024 election. Uh, we're going to pivot. Why? Because as we sit here watching this Fonnie Willis case, uh, it's over. Okay? Her paramour still testifying under oath right now. Uh, but they have – these star witnesses have admitted that the prosecutors lied to the court about their relationship. Why does that matter? Because if you're prosecuting someone for making false statements to a court, it's pretty hard if you yourself have been caught making false statements to the court. You are correct, sir. Here's MSNBC. I played this earlier. Let's play it again. Don't let the legalese fool you. This is epic. This is monumental. If things are going in the direction we think... Uh, Fonnie Willis lied to the court. It's game over for her. She will be disqualified um, if they had a relationship prior to when they uh, represented to to the court. It's it's a huge deal. I, I can't overstate it. Wow. That's MSNBC, guys. MSNBC, who talks about Donald Trump obsessively. Like it's like an ex that broke up with them and they can't get over it. And in sports, the Dodgers five, the Braves two. Did you guys see what Donald did? Like we're talking about the Dodgers right now. (laughs) Chiefs win the Super Bowl over the 49ers in overtime. Yeah, but like Trump, right, guys? Did you guys see Trump? Like they hate Trump. They hate Trump with all the fiber in their being. Guys like Joe Scarborough, who hate themselves, have taken up a lifestyle of hating Donald Trump full time so they don't have to look inward at the things they hate about themselves. He knows what he's talking about. So for them to come on the air and go, no, no, it's over, game, set, match. If the lead prosecutor lies to the court, it's really hard for them to drag somebody down for making false statements to the court. So uh, the good news for Trump is it looks an awful lot like one legal hurdle is down. Uh, 2,596 to go. Uh, It is a wild time to be alive. Uh, We will cartoon it 
and have a painstakingly honest conversation about a trap that could await the Republicans if Biden leaves the ticket. Buckle up, Buttercup. Going to have some real you and me time when we come back. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Here we go, here we go, back in action for the final hour of the day on the Big Bad One and Only High Flying, Death Defying Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. I call the show an audio safe space for cool people. Why? Because if you take a political position in this day and age, you know, people flip out. Somebody ought to belt you in the mouth. What I'm trying to do is give you a forum, an autonomous zone, if you will, where we can coexist as Americans entitled to our own opinions. Freedom! Now, in the interest of full disclosure, 99.9% of my views lean to the right. Okay, but I'm not hosting a conservative talk show. Again, I am hosting an American talk show. So the only rule we ever espouse is that we're not going to sit here and listen to you bad mouth the United States of America. No, ma'am. 888-788-9910 if you want in. You know the rules. You could be a Republican. You could be a Democrat. The only thing we ever ask is that you don't be a Diamond Dave Landau, he's not a He's going to join us in this hour. We're going to have a little chit-chat about the 2024 election, you know, the whole Biden's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and the only person waiting in the wings is the chick with the Woody Woodpecker laugh. (laughs) But as we are a little over a week, a little over a week from the South Carolina primaries that project Donald Trump will beat Nikki Haley in Tyson Spinks fashion, meaning the people who analyze the stuff for a living are expected to pronounce him the winner in under 91 seconds next Saturday night in South Carolina. Now, so far as we know, Nikki Haley has no plans of leaving. Okay, and we know that because it came up on our air. The Fox anchors are asking her, hey, what's the deal? You're kind of getting your butt handed to you. Is there any reason for you to stay in the race? This is Nikki Haley on America Reports, clip 23. At the moment, it looks like you're going to go into that contest and lose badly in your home state, which would forever be a cloud over your political career. Why go through with it? So first of all, um, that's what they said before New Hampshire, and I got 43% of the vote. Our polls do not show that. That is not what we're seeing, and we're gonna close that gap. But more than that, you're asking me about my political career. That's the problem with politics. Donald Trump's worried about his image. Joe Biden's worried about his image. I'm not worried about mine. I'm worried about the future of America. I'm worried about my kids and what country they grow up in. That's a good answer. That being said, Trump and most of the Republican Party are like, Get her out. Get her out of here. Okay, Nikki is sticking around in hopes that she can eventually debate Trump, maybe score some points that way, or heaven forbid he is legally incapacitated. Although it doesn't look like that's going to happen down in Atlanta, Georgia today. (laughs) If you've been following the Fonnie Willis trial, testimony of friends and lovers, there's a lot of steamy stuff going on down in Atlanta. I love it when you talk dirty. The problem is the steamy stuff is happening in a sharp contradiction to the sworn affidavits of Fonnie Willis and her lover, who initially claimed that this was a recently, 
recently uh, began romance. But now, as we find out from expert testimony, it dates back at least five years. So, you know, if we could sum up today's testimony for the district attorney, Fonnie Willis, I think it could best be summated by this. It's a disaster. So it doesn't look like, okay, Trump is like coming off the ballot or going to jail. I mean, Jack will, you know, Jack Smith. So close to saying Jack S. And I think I would have been right for saying so. I think he's got a point. But Jack Smith, the special prosecutor, okay, who is trying to charge Trump for retaining classified documents, has a real big problem on his hands. That being the fact that the special counsel who oversaw the Biden investigation said the guy knowingly, willingly broke the law, but we're letting him off because he's cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Biden's lost his marbles. Okay, that's what it was. He wasn't fit to stand trial. So it's hard for them to charge Trump and not look like they're exercising a double standard in the court of public opinion. So this pipe dream for Nikki, this pipe dream for Democrats, that Trump somehow coming off the ticket, I think is going up in smoke as we speak. Now, the good news uh, for people voting for Trump, uh, the good news for Trump himself is, yes, he will likely stay on the ballot. Uh, the bad news is uh, he has been having flubs just the same as Biden has. And this is the one thing I'm trying to be honest with you about. Okay, whether it was Trump confusing Nikki Haley with Nancy Pelosi, which he's now claiming was intentional. You are so full of shit. He's obviously lying about that. I can play the clip. But anyway, Republicans are going so hard on Biden's old because Biden's old. 86% of Americans think he's not cognitively fit to do the job. 86% of Americans, which means Biden's useless. He's not going to win. Okay, and the Democrats who will do anything to retain power, that's how politics works, at some point, okay, will acknowledge the truth that they're better off without the guy. Uh Uh-oh, I'm in trouble. Oh, it's coming. Make no mistake about it. But you understand when they get Biden off the ticket, he's not simply going to go, well, all right, I'm off the ticket. Okay, no hard feelings. That's a guy that's been in Washington since Washington. If he's leaving the ticket, which he will at the convention, by the convention, okay, they will use his age as a justification, but in the process, they will use that as leverage to pressure people away from Donald Trump. That's going to happen. If they take Biden off the ticket and replace him with a 50-year-old, they go, look, i got to be honest. I've done the job as an 81-year-old. For the good of the country, no 81-year-old should be doing the job. Ergo, I'm stepping down for somebody 55, at which point every single argument the Republicans have made for six months about Biden being too old suddenly gets used against them. This is politics as usual. And then all of a sudden Trump's the old man. And Trump saying things like, you know, Nikki Haley is Nancy Pelosi and talking to Rush Limbaugh, the late great Rush Limbaugh, who uh, I don't think any of us would have a radio show with this in this day and age without him. Okay, but Trump is having some flubs of his own. And you understand that if the Democrats nominate somebody younger Every single argument you yourself are making against Joe Biden gets used against you. It's a problem. Here's Trump in Charleston, South North Charleston, South Carolina, clip 13. But when I say that Obama is the president of our country, they go, he doesn't know that's Biden. He doesn't know. 
So it's very hard to be sarcastic. When I interpose, because I'm not a Nikki fan and I'm not a Pelosi fan, and when I purposely interpose names, they said he didn't know Pelosi from Nikki, from Tricky Nikki, Tricky Nikki. He didn't know I interpose and they make a big deal out of it. I said, no, no, I think they both stink. They have something in common. They both stink. <laughs> Trump's a good entertainer and he can riff and he can make jokes and everything in between. But you understand, okay, if you listen to the Nikki Haley clip where he calls her Nancy Pelosi five times, where he calls Nancy Pelosi Nikki Haley five times, okay, the media is not going to play along with the charade that he did it on purpose. That's true. That is true. Because here's a newsflash. He didn't do it on purpose. That's true. That is true. You're in a really tough spot right now. Okay, when you look out at the 2024 election, you've got, you know, Biden, who is 81, but he looks like he's 81 going on 500. Okay, Trump is obviously in much better shape than Biden. He has moments. But if you're watching Biden, it actually breaks your heart. Like, I understand Trump getting a name wrong or a word wrong, and they're certainly going to amplify it to the moon and back. Trump once walked down a wet ramp at the West Point Military Academy, and the media was like, oh, he's got Alzheimer's. I, I, why would you walk like that? Slowly down a wet ramp. Come on. Who does something like that? That's not right. Seriously, that was their take. But they watched Biden fall on the way up the stairs, crash his bike, fall two times, leaving a commencement speech. Like, he went down at the commencement speech like it was Frazier fighting George Foreman. Down goes Frazier! Like a sack of potatoes. Lifeless. It was sad. Okay, but the media wants you to believe that there's nothing to see here on that one, you know? They've spent the better part of three years trying to tell you, no, he's fine. What, the guy who shakes hands with invisible people? The guy who's talked to dead people on five separate occasions that we know of in public? Think about that. Biden basically does about three minutes of public activities a week. And every one of them contains some type of horrific gaffe, whether he's talking to a dead guy, shaking hands with an invisible person, getting lost on the way off the stage. If that's who he is in public when he shot up with B-12, okay, what do you think he looks like behind closed doors? Like, it's not better, guys. It's a lot worse. So we're in a wild spot right now because the Republicans are right they are right to go after Joe Biden's cognitive condition, but they really do run the risk in doing so of having it come back and bite them in the butt. If Biden leaves because they get him to say, look, guys, I'm too old. Nobody this old should be doing the job. The Democrats suddenly look like they have integrity, like they were looking out for the country. And oh, look, even our Republican colleagues say an 80 year old shouldn't be in charge. Here's three years of them saying so. And again, it's not about age. It's obviously about condition. But if you don't think, okay, the Biden dementia argument is a sand trap for the Republicans, you're out of your mind. Okay, it's a big problem. Here's Corrine Jean-Pierre being asked about the Taylor Swift conspiracy theories. (laughs) It's the other problem we have in the Republican Party. Right wing Twitter is amplifying. Okay, all of the sensationalists. Why do they do that, Jimmy? Come on. Why would they do such a thing? Okay, because understand they want people creating content on their platform. 
Okay, so they're going to amplify the people that are doing so. The people that are predominantly Twitter-based content creators are going to get the most likes. They're going to get the most views. They're going to get the most exposure because Twitter is trying, okay, to establish itself as the major hub of political discourse, okay? And in order to encourage people to be on Twitter, okay, they want them to espouse Twitter views. Like Twitter as a Republican agency, which it basically is under Elon Musk, is not interfering in elections like it was as a Democratic agency. It's not doing that. But at the same time, it's certainly amplifying things in favor of one party. And unfortunately, the things that get amplified make the Republican Party look insane. When you're right, you're right. And you're right. Guys, nobody fixed the Super Bowl. Okay, but let me give you this. Okay, because there's a poll out that says just about 20% of Americans, just about 20% of Americans believe the Super Bowl was fixed. Are you stupid or something? Okay, and the bigger problem is of that 20%, about 90% of them are Republicans. Ergo, that label of being conspiratorial and stupid gets stuck to your party, makes it a little bit harder for people who are swing voters, people who are on the fence, to justify going with you. At the end of the day, if they think Biden's 100 and Trump's 100 and neither one of them are their favorite guy, okay, they're far more likely to vote for the one that doesn't believe Taylor Swift fixed the Super Bowl because that side of the aisle sounds insane. Okay, that's just reality. But here's Corrine Jean-Pierre getting asked about it and, of course, pivoting to Trump in the long run. Clip 14. A new poll found that nearly one in five Americans believe that Taylor Swift is part of a plot to help President Biden win the election. And this conspiracy is particularly resonating with voters who believe the 2020 election was stolen. Is the White House concerned at all about this conspiracy theory and the fact that so many Americans believe it? Look, I mean, we've talked about this before. Um, uh, obviously, what we saw on January 6th in 2021 spoke to... Um, uh, spoke to that. It was an attack on our democracy, and the 2,000-plus uh, angry mob that was there uh, was there falsely believing that they it was their right or they could be able to turn over turn over uh, uh, turn over an election. I mean, come on, KJP. Oh, shut up, woman. They weren't trying to turn over an election. Okay, they weren't trying to overthrow the government that day because Trump was in charge of it at the time. Okay, was it bad? Absolutely. I was on the air. I condemned it in real time. But when you're pivoting to January 6th as an answer for everything going on in this country, what you're really saying is you have nothing to sell us. He knows what he's talking about. They can't point to anything. Like when they talk about the economy, oh, we've created all these jobs. That is a fact check false. Okay. 80% of the jobs created under Joe Biden were jobs that were recovered after the pandemic, meaning jobs that existed pre-COVID, got shut down during COVID, and then got the job back when the lockdowns ended. That's not a new job. That's your old job back. Okay, then you look at the actual job growth under Biden. 2.9 million of the jobs that were created, okay, of the 2.9 million jobs that were created, 90% of them went to migrants who crossed our southern border. So Biden is creating jobs for migrants, breaking into the country, getting work visas. Okay, but as for the American citizen, our employment remains below, below 
what it was back in 2019. Biden sucks. So there's no deliverable on the economy. Okay, the core price index is still historically high. Okay, the border's out of control. You've seen the crime situation made worse by the fact that a lot of the civic infrastructure in this country is strained by the overflow of migrants at the border. So they're going to pivot to January 6th. They're going to tell you that, you know, Biden's not nuts. Okay, and they're going to try in the same breath to tell you that Trump is. That's a big thing right now. Okay, and we're going to sit here and continue to throw the challenge flag. And you better wish us luck because they are not happy about it in D.C. The government's going to jump all over your head, Jimbo. It's the fastest part of your workday. Wow, you're pretty quick for a big guy. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon, Diamond Dave Landau, comedy sexiest man right around the corner. (laughs) Right now, most of the comedy coming by way of the White House, uh, where they are telling us that Joe Biden is fine. Listen to all of these Democratic surrogates, clip 20. President Biden, who I've been around uh, numerous times just in this last year, is sharp, he's focused, He's bright. He is sharp, intensely probing, and detail-oriented and focused. This is a man who is sharp, who is on top of his game, who knows what's going on. He's smart. He's on his game. I was in almost every meeting with the president, and the president was in front of and on top of it all, coordinating and directing leaders who are in charge of America's national security, not to mention our allies around the globe. We choose truth over facts. (laughs) It's my favorite thing in the world right now. They're like, no, no, the guy's sharp as a tack. But you don't get to see it. For some reason, we only see the version that quits talking in the middle of a sentence because he's finished. We only see the version that shakes hands with invisible people. We don't get to see... The other version where the guys come commandeering groups of people and advisors and top military leaders and running the room. No, we just get to see this guy. I am uh, I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. <laughs> Diamond Dave Landau joins us to clean up this mess next. There it is, Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon fired up to chat with his next guest, a guest you can see in person April the 4th at the Frauenthal Center in Muskegon. And, of course, April the 13th at the Orpheum Theater in Twin Falls, Idaho. Hey, girl. Diamond Dave Landau back in the house. Yo, yo. Hey, baby. How you doing? Uh, I'm pronouncing Frauenthal correctly. I just checked the pronunciation. You get a good pronunciation on this show. That's good because I've been calling it Ferenthal because I didn't. Well, <laughs> listen, 90% of my listeners heard fentanyl. And oh, were, that's good. Like, fentanyl? In, yeah. Yeah, I'm in Vegas, so don't say it too loud or people might come running to my room. <laughs> Are you at Brad Garrett's this weekend? Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, at the MGM. Fancy. Isn't it weird? I saw all the billboards people tweeted of you. Uh, this is a shared experience we've had in our lives. Uh, you look gorgeous, as we'd expect, nothing less. 
But it's weird. Like when you see yourself on a billboard, it's I don't like I don't process it. Do you process it? Doesn't don't you feel like your friends photoshopped it and texted it to you? Absolutely. Or it sh- it should have been from 15 years ago and say wanted or <laughs> just or an ad I did for herpes medication when I was starting Yo. You know, in show business. <laughs> Hold on. Do you want some good entertainment? Okay, because this really happened to me. When I was like first, like I was a cab driver, there was a mobile app when apps were first becoming a thing. It was called the Flips mobile app. And it was essentially a streaming app for your cell phone. And they had hired me. This is so great. I'll send you pictures of this. They had hired me in the commercials to be, it was called the Flips Ferry. So you're in like a wife beater, uh, like legit, like a tutu, wings. Again, the rent don't pay itself. Okay. And it was a national campaign, but I got what's known as a buyout. You would know the term, which is meaning you get no TV royalties. They give you like a couple thousand bucks and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's only going to, the ad's going to run like two times. So there's really not a lot of money in the campaign. Well, lo and behold, I started getting texts from all over America because they did a truck campaign where it was on trucks all over America. <laughs> unmistakably me. I'll text you a photo. I'm in my phone. They're fantastic. LAX, El Segundo, anywhere you could think of. Fort Worth. People are like, hey, I saw you in the back of the truck. So, yeah. You, Go ahead. You were basically just like the ghetto version of Flo for a very brief moment. <laughs> I was I was no from Progressive. <laughs> no or bro. Bro from Progressive. And it was everywhere. I made no money, but uh, the humiliation will last, last a lifetime. So there's that. That's fantastic. There, there it is. Um, talk to me about this, Diamond Dave Lando. I know since the last time you were on, you've caught all the news of the special counsel basically confirming what we all knew to be true about Biden. You know, the you know, whole elevator doesn't go to the top floor thing. Do you think, as Kennedy said on my show yesterday, do you think Jill Biden's the the villain here? Like she just likes being first lady too much to make the guy step down? You know, I, I think there's a possibility of it. I think the craziest thing we found out recently is that uh, he's not mentally well enough to be uh, convicted of anything, but he is uh, – he can still be president. That's a big problem in a lot of ways. But yeah. he's just – but, yeah, I think there's a part to that. I, I don't – <laughs> I don't know what's happening anymore. I guess I can't find the words because everything I see, I just go, well, that can't be true. <laughs> oh, it is? Great. It's my- I'll be honest. Uh, the the 36th floor of my hotel has a balcony, uh-huh. and I just keep the drapes shut. <laughs> Dave Landau checking in live from Vegas. It is something. It's a place to be, though, as an American when somebody tells you your president's not mentally fit to stand trial, but he's still in charge. You're like, right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is the best idea. <laughs> yeah, that's like, like we can't convict him of a crime. He can do anything, anything that he wants at all, but it's because he's so mentally uh, not there that we yeah. can't actually charge him of anything. No. Oh, does he, is he still in charge of everything? That's right. Yes. <laughs> no, no. So what we're going to do here, uh, here's our little report. Uh, he is mentally <laughs> competent, and we're just going to send him home with his little nuclear codes and call it a day. 
All good. Right. No, no big deal, right? No. This all makes sense? Great. <laughs> no harm, no foul. <laughs> it's such a dumb time to be alive. It really is. But you know what's going to happen to the Republicans? And I was talking about this earlier, and I know not all the callers love to hear this. But if they get Biden off the ticket for being too old, that's actually really bad for Trump because the Democrats are going to nominate a 50-year-old and they're going to be like, hey, you know, the Republicans themselves have said 80 is too old for the last three years. And I understand Trump's condition is not Biden's, but the age card is going to blow up on Republicans if the Democrats run a 50-year-old. Oh, I think you're right. I absolutely do. And I think it just depends on who the 50-year-old is. <laughs> if he's a 50-year-old who still wears his varsity jacket, we might still have a chance. <laughs> well, if, he kind of, yeah, if he comes out to the song Glory Days. And anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I see where this is headed, Dave Landau. Uh, I'm just saying he thinks he's too young. Yeah, no, no, I get that. That's too funny. There's a lot of... Uh, there's all this like speculation, like it could go to the convention and then they get to like vote on the floor. And basically the way it works is everybody who wants to be president. OK, obviously Hillary wants to be president. OK, Kamala wants to be president. Gavin Newsom wants to be president. OK, they can't say that. So they're trying to position themselves to be the reluctant hero, which requires them to get on TV three times a week and say Biden's as sharp as attack. You've got to see him in these closed door meetings. You know, so that way, when they take them off the ticket, they can go, hey, I said it myself. I didn't want to be president. I thought the guy was sharp. But when your country calls collect, you got to do the gig. That's obviously going to be the tact. But my question is between now and then, OK, if this guy really is in the room with like generals and like, you know, head military heads and intel minds, and he's supposedly running these meetings sharp as attack. Like, isn't it a little weird that we never see that version of the guy? Absolutely it is. And it's because it doesn't exist. <laughs> it, it's a, you know, it's it's also at, at best they put him in a chair and have him face a wall through every one of those meetings. There's no chance. Or if he's in one of those rooms that, you know, looks like it's Dr. Strangelove, yeah. he's just eating soup with nothing in it because they don't want him to choke. Straight broth. <laughs> like, whenever they tell me, like, oh, he's very fiery behind closed doors, I'm like, that's because he thinks the TV's talking to him. And he's, right. <laughs> he's, he's arguing with Pat Sajak on Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> What you mean? Because he's watching Mash, and whenever he hears gunfire, he gets behind the couch. <laughs> Battle stations. Yeah. He also he barks back at the dogs on TV. That's the mental, <laughs> the, the mental state he's at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no way he's sharp and fiery. Uh, even after the Super Bowl, when he put out that tweet that yeah. said this happened just as we planned it, yeah. there's either two things that happen. One, somebody else did it, which is 99% mm -hmm. what happened. Or he just told the truth. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't supposed, supposed to. to. <laughs> and he wasn't yeah. supposed to. Um, well, listen, man, uh, the, I find the Taylor Swift fixed Super Bowl conspiracy to be, I mean, I find it hilarious, you know, from an entertainment perspective, but it's a problem for the Republican Party that these are the voices getting amplified on Twitter because it makes them easy to discredit as a party. You know what I'm saying? The Super Bowl makes $18 billion for the NFL. I promise you they don't have to throw the game. 
okay, in order to continue to be what they are. But it's got <laughs> traction. Like, it has traction on Twitter. Have you seen it? Oh, absolutely. The, the number of people that I've heard, because, I, like I said, I'm in Vegas this week that are going, yeah, you can see it. You can see how it was all rigged. Okay, <laughs> what did you bet on? Well, I didn't. Well, then if you believed it was rigged, wouldn't you have put literally every penny? Like, if you were so sure that that was going to be the outcome, like, if you would have told me that they were going to win in overtime, yeah. I would have put all of my money, my brother's money, your money. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's, If you somehow found this out, yeah. there's no way you believed it. Yeah, it just... I know. It just coincidentally turned out somewhat similar to what you thought. Yeah. And now you can be like, see, it's... see how it ended in the way that it <laughs> kind of could have easily. You know, they've, the, de- <laughs> the, the defending Super Bowl champs winning again never could have happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like they make it sound like, the, like she was dating a guy on the Jets and they won the Super Bowl. Right, for God's sakes, I'm a Detroit Lions fan, and we almost made it. It's not rigged. (laughs) (laughs) Talking to Dave Landau, we're speaking truth to power. Not everybody likes it. But the 49ers were a missed extra point away from winning the game in regulation. Yes. Which and, is, oh, I can't, dude, yeah. I can't tell you after the way that Detroit didn't get in, which was yeah. in, in the most hilarious Detroit fashion. Yeah. The, the second that a ball bounced off a guy's helmet into the five yard line for an interception, I was yeah. like, we're going to lose the game now. <laughs> it's just one point. I'm like, no, no, I know that's, how this goes. That's, that's how this works. These, yeah. these, <laughs> these points go up on the scoreboard for a reason. They're consequential. Yeah. Exactly. I promise this is not going to work out. I have loved rubbing it in every 49ers face uh, from the stage this week. I'm just going like, oh, I loved how you guys were up and, oh, you really thought that second half and then into overtime, you lost right when you thought you were going to make it. I don't know how that felt. (laughs) Yeah, the worst part of the 49ers losing is, you know, like Brock Purdy had to work his day job the next day because he makes no money (laughs) compared (laughs) to the NFL players. Yeah, there's people at his day job who have called in hungover, but he still has to be there. <laughs> he couldn't get anybody to pick up a shift. Just lost the Super Bowl the night before. He wound up waiting on Taylor Travis, <laughs> Taylor and Travis at the Denny's. Yes. Yeah, that's the lowest part of his entire day. Like, nobody is like, you've taken enough sick days, and we know you've been playing football. All right, we see the TV. We saw what you did last night. We can't give you the day, Brock. We're sorry. Pick up section five. It's rough. It's rough. I do believe they've left, but everyone should know, Diamond Dave, you were at Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. Are you there tonight through what? I'll be here until Sunday. Oh, that's a winner. Like, I commend you, man. Me and Vegas don't get along that well. Like, when I'm in Vegas, I do a night and I have to get out of there. I don't, you know, you don't have my, my, my gambling background. But I used to gamble, like, to the point that, you know, I might be on the strip in front of the New York, New York. You know the bridge between the New York, New York and the and the MGM? You know, yes. I might be on that bridge in a blonde wig, depending how things went at the blackjack table. So. Oh, so you were the prettiest girl there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long story short, I'm trying to keep the costume changes to a minimum on this tour. Uh, so I'll only be in Vegas one night in July. Uh, but we well, wish – go ahead. 
Oh, sorry. I was just going to say last night it was funny because one table was like a little chatty, but it was the women at the table. Uh-huh. So I just kind of started joking around with them. Then I realized the husband was UFC legend Frank Mir. For real? So I was like, oh, That's yeah, for real. He came to the show and I ended up taking a picture with him and stuff. It was hilarious, though, because... I'm like, oh, that's why nobody's gone over to the table and told them <laughs> to be quiet. <laughs> but it turned out he was on my side. So oh, we no. ended up being, yeah, he's like, I tell her, I tell her. I don't like talking to her in movies. I try to tell her. <laughs> and uh, we ended up, it was fun. I like, I ended up joking around with him from the stage and he was really cool. And I was like, well, I'm glad, I'm glad he has a sense of humor about him and the count that he he, you know, he broke Silvio's arm in three places, and that guy's six ten. Yeah, and as as much as you like to spend money on Craigslist to get beat up, it's not that severe of a beating. <laughs> no, no, it's it's more Scorpio and Dirty Harry. Just <laughs> My name's Adam. I'll take a dare. Oh. <laughs> uh, good luck out there, man. And uh, before you go, I should remind everybody listening. Uh, that it is the Frauenthal Center in Muskegon. That's April 4th. The Orpheum Theater in Twin Falls, Idaho. That's a win, April 13th. Come on, Diamond Dave. Giving the people what they want. I'll check in over the weekend. Good luck out there. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. The best. There he goes. The great Dave Landau. If you're in Vegas this weekend, if you're like me and you kind of guy that might have gambled so much at the Super Bowl, you just can't afford a flight home right now. Uh, you can sneak over to Brad Garrett's Comedy Club. A little cheaper to get into that than it probably is your cross-continental flight. Uh, but Dave Landau in a comedy club. Uh, him, Aaron Berg, who's on Fox News Saturday night this weekend. I know you guys have seen a lot of my la- live shows. Uh, those guys, they're as good as anybody. Like, if you stick them in a comedy club, I'm and I'm, I mean this, you can put them up against anybody you consider to be great in the annals of history and they'll hang right with them. I mean, in some instances, eclipse them on their best nights because they're actually that good at comedy. And it's like the coolest thing about having this show is being able to promote other comics because all you ever want for your profession is for it to have a good reputation. Meaning if every time people go to a comedy club, they like it, that makes people who haven't seen you more likely to go. You dig? People go on the road and bomb, and you see their shows promoted all over the channel. You know, when you finally see my show promoted, you might be less likely to go because you're like, well, last time I saw a Fox guy, wasn't that good, you know? So the fact that I get to bring on guys that crush, and I know that if you go out to see them, they will crush. Like, you'll be like, wow, these guys are, like, next level good. That actually helps me in the long run. So selfishly, I like it for that reason. Uh, But I just also like it because when I was driving a cab – I used to just listen to radio shows like Opie and Anthony. We used to promote comics like crazy. The Jim Nortons of the world, the Patrices, you know, the Bill Burrs of the world. Guys that could come on that were real. They used to have some of the funniest people in the world. And also Robert Kelly. (laughs) But the point is, you'd listen to those guys. And it was like really cool how they built an ecosystem. And they could kind of leverage the platform to promote each other. So in a weird way. It's like my favorite thing about this gig is I'm one of those stupid people that wants to help other people. Watch Jimmy's new show Saturday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern on Fox News Channel. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Bottom of the ninth on Fox Across America with your radio buddy Jimmy Fallon. 
uh, going to be your stand-up buddy tonight on the Ingram Angle with Laura Ingram. And if you want to see me do some stand-up, uh, we are hitting the road. March 1st, Idaho Falls. March 2nd, we are in Sacramento at the Crest Theater. March 8th, we're down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, the Aventura Theater. March 9th, Ponte Vedre. That's a Saturday. You better be there. Early show, 5 p.m. Late show is sold out. March 29th, we're in Helena, Montana. March 30th, Spokane, Washington. April 5th, Federal Way, right there in Seattle. April 6th, a return engagement at the Egyptian Theater in Boise, Idaho. April 13th, come hang with Lincoln the Dog, Michael the Trucker. That is April 13th in Huntsville, Alabama. And then you'll see me May 11th in Sarasota. Uh, May 12th, I am in Orlando. Can't say where. Tick's not on sale yet. May 18th, Boston, Massachusetts. June 7th, Dallas, Texas. June 15th, Pottstown, Pennsylvania. June 22nd, Red Bank, New Jersey. July 5th, I'll be in Henderson, Nevada. July 13th, Colorado Springs. July 26th, Biloxi, Mississippi. What do these shows have in common? The tickets are all on sale at foxacrossamerica.com. In the meantime, this show is over. Pay up, get out. I'll see you on your TV tonight. Remember, be a Republican, be a Democrat. Just don't be a... Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.